I think I finally figured out the coffee that I need to order, and that is an espresso mochiato. You don't order well, you don't order the mochiato because then you get a latte. I think there's there's a oh, something's really loud. Hold on. Oh, hold on. I gotta go close this door. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about coffee. Hello, boss. Premium coffee. Hmm. I'm not finding references to Hello Boss after 2009. Oh, there it is. See, this is a little... Uh, we can leave that in so the listeners can see uh, a viewpoint into how the podcast works. My wife was just texting me that I was really loud. Uh, and, sh- and she had a typo, but I think it was probably appropriate to her mood. Any chance you can shit the living room door? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow... <laughs> You want to get an espresso mochiato, not a, a mochiato latte, and I've ordered that at many places around here. And and they give what? they give you it's why a, why why do I want this? Like, because yes, why do I want why this? Is it better? Because it's an espre- a shot of espresso, right? Uh-huh. With like just a little bit of cream on top, just a little bit. So right, that's that's why. Okay, what, oh, so Did you not just order that? I don't. That's the part I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you just order with that then? Well, but this is this is what it's called. It'd be like I discovered oh. that if you want like ground beef in a patty between two pieces Got of uh, bread, you order a hamburger. Gotcha. That's correct word. Now, my go-to drink lately has been a flat white with an extra shot because I've decided mm. that flat whites aren't strong enough. But so I don't get like a large flat white. I get a small, but I get an extra shot. See now, 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 Matt Ray. I think that's Australia's yeah. choice. Maybe a cortado. I forget if the cortado and the flat white Ooh, is Australian. What's but a cortado? A cortado is like uh, an espresso mochiato, but maybe with like three x the cream. Mm, now that might be what I want. Now the three <laughs> the three beverages, right? So I started with the flat whites because that's like I used to drink only black coffee, which I still primarily do. And then a flat white seems like like I don't want a latte. That's too much, too much milk. But then yeah. you get you get a flat white, and that seems like something. That's pretty good. It's a smooth drink. Mm-hmm. But then you get a cortado, and that's like a little less cream all the way down to a mochiato, which, you know, you get in a tiny espresso cup, just like a little, I'm guessing like two teaspoons of foamy cream. Well, you should try the cortado, because if you're putting an yeah. extra shot into the flat white, I think you want a cortado. All right. I have just an aside on this whole thing. Uh-huh. Like, are tech people just obsessed with coffee? Because I am at some I guess I'm in the very rare minority. Don't uh-huh. drink any coffee. None at what? all. Right. And then, so I don't, zero. I just don't. I get my caffeine, iced tea, sodas, a lot of other, you know, probably oh, so, uh, no less healthy here. ways. But uh, I just, but I, I was just wondering, like, people just are obsessed. Like, and I always, like, when I listen to this con- conversation, I'm just like, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Like, so is it, is it just that I've just missed the coffee thing in general? But I do feel like it's like uh-huh. someone said, like, flying, people learning to fly, talking about coffee. And there's like one other thing that are like very, like, like the, t- if you work in tech, and I don't just mean like programming, keyboards. I just mean in general, like you're just like <laughs> keyboard would be another one where like there's this obsession uh, around just around it. And I'm like, did I just totally miss out on this? Like, why? Like, I just do not care at all. It's like, fine. Just, and people like, they'll talk about how they got a bad cup for long. And it's like, mm. well, just, just don't Move drink on. that again and get another piece. <laughs> like, just like, it's okay. It would like, I never talk about like, I had a soda and it was so bad. It was flat and it was kind of like uncarbonated. And it was like, I Oof. never say this kind of stuff. Or I see, I'm like, ah, oh, the iced tea was kind of, never hear people like, oh my gosh, the iced tea was kind of weak and it wasn't yeah. made with the right leaves. I'm just like, ah, I just, you know, I, I drink it. It wasn't Move good, on. but whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, but coffee requires like like hours of discussion and like grinding and blue bonnet or wherever that that thing is called blue bell no that's ice cream i don't know the blue place that everyone's obsessed with in Bottle. san francisco it's like i just want to come back to be like i just don't think it matters that much it's like whatever it's just coffee just yeah. drink it drink it if you want it yeah but maybe i'm wrong so tell me i'm wrong what am i missing out on well this is a fascinating question brandon i actually have no idea i think uh <laughs> i think uh I mean, I mean, a lot of people like coffee, but yeah, there is, there is, there is a good, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like, what else are you going to do? You got to have something. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's like stimulating. So that's nice. And oftentimes, you know, in the tech world, you're doing pretty boring stuff. You're just staring right. at things. Well, like, let me throw out like just a quick like comparison. Like, I don't know if you ever listened to the accidental tech podcast, ATB, which I do. I'm in and out of it, but like they, are obsessed with Apple keyboards and the fact that they're broken and the fact of the travel and the fact that like in the low travel, the butterfly, I mean, just like, I mean like just amazing how much time and I'm always like, and so maybe people listening to this podcast are like, why do these people talk about Kubernetes so much? So maybe, you know, I realize I'm fully aware. Maybe that's what it is. But sometimes yeah. I always just wonder, like, and they all, but they tend to also get on like the coffee rant too. And I'm always like, well, it's like, wow, it's like, you know, it's almost yeah. like an OCD kind of yeah, thing. It's like yeah. the that's keyboard will be okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. the keyboard, it's like, it'll work. Like if you just use it for a while, like you really will get used to it, but they don't get used to it. They never, yeah. they just talk for hours. They're like, oh, the butterfly keyboard, it's the downfall of Apple and I always think of the people listening and Apple must just laugh like you three people are the only people in the world that care to this level <laughs> yeah. and we have well, just made we just crossed the trillion dollar threshold and you yeah, are talking the, about this keyboard's going to take you down and listen I like the fact that they are like trying to hold them accountable for quality products I mean I get that but I'm like you're just kind of missing the boat at some point but but I think I think like tech people and well you know white collar workers in general we're spending a lot of time sitting in our heads right we're just thinking and you know and and there's that definitely that right there is a new podcast for thinking in your head <laughs> no sitting and think trapped in your head that would be well, it's true right trapped in your head. you sit here and and you're like you're, you're sitting in front of a screen and you have access to literally the world's knowledge in front of you and you're like i could do some work or i could you know, vent about this keyboard that's between me and that, you know, the whole world out there. Um, I mean, it, it's, you spend a lot of time obsessing and it's, it's probably not totally healthy, but you know, it, it is what it is where, you know, we're, we're obsessive compulsive monkeys. I mean, yeah, you know, we, we sit here and we talk about our keyboards, we talk about our coffee and then, you know, we, we go and we get some coffee and it stimulates us to do more of that and distracts us from, you know, actually getting work done. But um, you know, that's, that's why, uh, I, like I, I, I think, I think there's something to that, you know, it's like, well, if the we top were working, of the pyramid, I just want to yeah. say like, there's the coffee, there's the, the flying and I'm sure I'm guilty of like the keyboards. The top of the pyramid is I always like the people on so talking on social media about leaving social media. That to me is like the pinnacle of tech work, right? It's mm -hmm. like, and I see this all the time. I'm always like, wow, this seems like that seems to be like the most uh, self-referential navel gazing moment of all time. So that's, <laughs> I always think like when you're well, doing that, when you're like on Twitter talking about leaving Twitter, why Twitter is bad, why social yeah. media is bad. It's like, okay, at that moment, you need to check yourself in. Like you're like you've now you've you've officially oh, gone I, too far. You, you need your to head. check out. 
So, so, so I, I'm perpetually guilty of that. So I, my, my standard recommendation for the self-control app where you can block yourself from social media for a given set of time, I use it almost every day. <laughs> That's great. I like that. That's and when you turn it on, does it tweet that you're leaving Twitter? Oh, <laughs> oh, well, now I need to hook my self-control app into the if this, then that. Mm. Um, and, you know, get some, you know, so everybody knows Matt has turned off the Internet. Yeah, that's good. Well, well, you know, you know, we're going to be needing a lot more coffee because for the foreseeable oh, future, I don't think we're leaving the office. That's right. I, we're here. Exactly. Not not leaving the office, the home office. Yes, right. that's right. The yeah. home office. And so so I was actually thinking unrelated to this. I was enjoying I think I figured out a new thing. You know, I like to stay at the Great Northern Hotel in London. I was there earlier this week before the the apocalypse started full on. And I got home, thankfully. But they have one of those Nespresso machines in the hotel. They mm-hmm. have the one with the little pod. And, uh, you know, the last couple of times I've been around a pod thing, I realized that I thought it was this insightful hack that you could hold down the button and it would fill up a regular coffee. Uh, what do you have coffee in? And t- a taza? Cup. Uh, a cup. The regular uh, <laughs> coffee cup. And, uh, but then the coffee doesn't taste very good because it's watered down. So I thought like, all right, they have these, those little fancy glass espresso glasses. I'm just going to press the button and have the coffee as Nespresso intended it. And it's pretty good. And, uh, so I was sitting there as I like to do in a, in a hotel or anywhere. I wake up just to read the, the news and kind of hang up, hang out and, and, uh, wake up. And I drank the espresso. And like a few minutes later, I was like, whoa, I'm awake. And so I, I, I think. I think back to the coffee talk. <laughs> I think I think espresso is very potent. If and you because you drink like a cup of coffee in one go instead of like spacing yes. it out. So I thought now back when I was somewhere oh down in Rome, uh, the place we had had one of those like I forget the name of it, but those old school like silver espresso makers. You know that like it has like a a, a lady's waist in the middle that you unscrew. Like it, it's like two triangles on top of each other. And uh, I sort of learned how to make espresso in that or coffee in that. So I was thinking I should order one of those, which I think if you're going to be at a home office and you want to make an espresso mochiato, you're going to need one of those things. It's pretty affordable. But this raises an issue with the homeworking. Now, you're still going to get like Amazon Prime deliveries, right? So aren't you still going to get like the ham flu coming through your door? (laughs) The hand flu, ham flu, uh, that's, ham flu. That's what. Remember it's when bad, swine flu was out? Flu. That's, it's bat flu. I I heard that that was false. That it's not actually from bats. Well, they don't actually know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I've heard well, bats and pangolins and think, everything else. I think I think the phrase "they don't actually know" gets very close to false. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, so so I you know there, there's there's uh does this does I'm hoping what we'll discover is that actually no one needs to be at work. And uh, <laughs> pretty, you could just kind of have like a Zoom conference room of like one or two people talking and the rest are like, you know, still shots of someone like looking serious. And then I think the economy will chug on. Like, You think so, huh? All, all these meetings planning for white papers and things like that, I'm not sure, really sure they need to be happening. You That's could just, right. You could just... Just write the white paper and uh Well, I think we should must go like one through like, you know, kind of the things that we'll either learn from this sort of forced upon us for bad reasons, uh experiment. Like first I think is the question of all these conferences. Like almost all of them, at least of the major vendors, have been converted yeah. to digital conferences. So I'm yeah. actually 
quite excited to just see like because out of it i think a bunch of them probably will just be your typical digital presence but out of this is i'm hoping like somebody breaks out with like an interesting idea and like does something different because that would just be because i do think the conference format is, at times is a little tired so uh as someone who's watched many keynotes in the last few years uh, online and that's i've become like a great way it would be interesting to see if it was like if you didn't even have anyone in the audience and you did it, like, what would it look like? So mm. I'm interested to see, um, because maybe that's the future of, at least of the keynote, right? I mean, obviously, you know, the conference to, like, meet people and build relationships, yeah. that part is never maybe going to change. But, like, like why they have the keynote, like, live in front of, like, whatever, two or 3,000 people, it's like, in a lot of ways, it probably will be better and better produced if they just did it like on a, a digital uh, presence and where there really isn't any reason for everyone to have to like, sit there physically. Yeah. You know, we were, we were, uh, uh, some of us were talking about, as you might guess, doing like an online conference thing. And someone raised an excellent question. If we do this, how is this different than back-to-back webinars? Which I think right. is a valid question to ask. Now, I don't know what to do about that. A lot of people don't like webinars. Mm-hmm. And, and to use one of my snappy comebacks, that I like to apply to many places. I think a lot of people don't like shitty content. So like <laughs> if it like regardless of like you just you just make the content good, it doesn't matter if it's a webinar or not, right? Like so you, you know, whatever. Uh and I think you know, on the optimistic side, I think if you're in person at a conference, the content can be a little worse than it should be because you're sort of like, well, I'm sitting here. <laughs> right? Like, like, you know, it, you don't really have, I think ironically, it's easier. I don't know if it's ironic, but it's sort of like e- harder to leave. And it's easier to have someone sit through something um that's kind of low quality. And then also like, you got to like pack out the conference. So if you have like a four track conference, I mean, like, you know, the way you pick you, the way you pick talks is you rank the talks, you, you don't only pick the ones that are good. Right. Which is a, perhaps mm-hmm. a subtle distinction. But if someone if there's like 30 talks submitted and you need to get 10, a third of them are going to be selected. Right. Right. Whether they're good or bad. So perhaps, you know, this would be a nice result. Uh, and I don't mean this to sound like overly cynical, but like maybe if it's online, like people will elect to only see stuff that's really good and the content mm-hmm. will have to be very compressed. Like I think. You watch a lot of keynotes, you know, you watch the Amazon ones, especially, and those are super packed, right? Almost too packed. There's yep. not a lot of like flowery, you know, why blockchain is important for corn type of stuff going on. And uh I don't know, maybe maybe people will be forced to like chop things down because then the other thing that you'll get is you'll get like pretty real time feedback if people give a shit or not, because mm-hmm. like they'll be there watching and then they'll drop off. And then the secondary thing that you would get is of course, uh, you know, there's no hallway con, but there's, there's like YouTube con where people right. go watch the video afterwards. Right. Like, so you've okay, got but, a longer tail so there. What about this one? So I was thinking, I was trying to go through like the, the conference parts and being like, okay, what would be a good digital equivalent? So, okay. The keynote we're going to put to the side, I think just a really well produced keynote doing your announcements you know, whether it's Apple, AWS, just like good examples of that. So probably stay to that, that kind of format. Okay. Trade show four. So here's, here's my pitch to you on the trade show four. Like, how would you do that? Well, so if you wanted to be on the trade show four, all the trade show floors that got canceled, what you could do is you could tell all of the people that were going to exhibit is, all right, everyone gets to make, you know, like a, anywhere from like a two to five minute video. Right. And it should be uh, characterized around kind of this question. It's like, Oh, hey, I see uh, 
you're here at this conference. So like, what are you guys showing today? Right. Cause that's like 99% of the people that come by a booth, right. They're just like, they're just kind of like want some swag. Right. Uh, they, they don't necessarily know. So, so you kind of just pretend like that's the question someone asked, right. And you say, okay, everybody that wanted to be a sponsor to show, you make a three to five minute video, you send it to us, you could either put it on YouTube and then it's just a, a set of links, right. Like, or, you know, sorry, whatever thumbnails. And so you can kind of just have this page. And then, you know, if you wanted to know like, okay, what was this company, what was their kind of five minute or two minute elevator pitch at this conference, you could kind of just click on them and just watch it. And then if you thought it was good or you wanted something, you could, you could have some explicit information, something like, okay, if you have a question or you like more information based on what you heard, you know, fill out this form, Johnny Lee Jen yourself, and we will call you back and give them some SLA. Right? be like, okay, if you came to this, cause it's like a conference, we'll respond to you within say 48 hours. And that way it's sort of mm. like, you can just tweak your pitch, right? You're kind of telling all the sponsors like, yeah, you were at, imagine you were at this location. It was this time of year and this was your primary message. So you're not trying to give them your general pitch unless that was what you wanted to say. You're trying to give them like the specific thing that you wanted them to know. And I was like, okay. And you could almost even go one step further and make kind of try to use like an Instagram story format or, you know, something just kind of like, it's mm. real easy to kind of just swipe through. Like, let me just like go through, swipe through like, five or 10 and just get a quick sense of like what everyone was trying to say. It's like, I actually think that wouldn't be so bad. Like I'd kind of be interested in that. And then like all of these things, you'd probably see some like really good videos that are really creative or just have good information. And you'd probably see some videos that you would quickly swipe through fast. Well, and, and huh. as a vendor, you know, that, that all works well, but you know, you're going to have this webinar format and you say, Hey, give us your two minute video and we'll put them between every talk. Right. And so then you're like, oh, you know, thanks for the talk on, you know, containers in the mainframes. And, you know, now a word from our sponsor. And then, you know, two minutes of Datadog and, and then, you know, on to the next talk. I, it's it. I mean, it's a little a little different from the standard webinar format, but it definitely would would work <laughs> in the uh, in the the post conference era that we're entering. Yeah. You know, it is. uh I feel almost unqualified to speculate because I just feel like I just feel like <laughs> it doesn't stop us. Well, no, 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 no. no. I, not unqualified that's a, is that's wrong. That's the name of this show. Unqualified. <laughs> that's unqualified right. to speculate. I, I, I think, I think, I, you know, not, not that I've, but I think I have a very minority opinion, which is like I've been to enough conferences, right? Like just like whereas I think I remember when I was younger. And this is, it's still, I assume this is still the way it's like going to a conference was actually like a reward. Uh, like I think when I was at BMC, yeah. like you, one person was selected to go to Java one or something. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I went one year and, and, uh, I mean, it, it was informative, but you know, just like a business book, a lot of things could just be online or like reduced down, or maybe a lot of talks need to be a whole book. Like, so, so it is like, I don't know conferences are always weird like being in person like has some sort of high value and i i have a feeling it's for like i don't know people who don't go to conferences a lot it's hard to say <laughs> well but i think what you're touching on is like you know as you kind of like decompose the conference like you go like segment by segment you're kind of almost by definition in this kind of era of like the new conferences like may, maybe you're kind of learning like what what is like what is it the value of the trade show for you know what I'm saying? So that's, so if you kind of dive into it and say, okay, yeah. 
well, like, is there, I mean, they're just, it just may come to be one of these things like, well, the reason, like so many things in life, right? The reason there's a trade show floor is just like, well, there's always been one, you know what I mean? And there was, and then this predates the, the ability to get everything online and see everything online, right? And, and so, so if you kind of keep going down, you're like, well, I don't, you know, if there's no way to like make it digital or you feel like it's already all there, then it's kind of like, you just get to the point of like, well, the reason it exists is that there are some people that just want to have an in-person conversation with somebody at this, you know, at this, uh, with a specific vendor. But then I do think you just have to ask yourself, like, I don't know, are, are those conversations like, are they really, I mean, like, what is the value of them if that's all yeah. they really are? You know, it's, um, now I do yeah. think, um, what a conference does sometimes though, like, especially if you're actively buying something, if you're like, I'm about, I'm like, you know, well into my purchasing decision and I want to see, you know, the, the same thing presented to me three times really close, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I want to see three vendors in this area and I want them all to show me, you know, yeah, this kind yeah. of, I mean, in that case, it's like a kind of a bake-off thing. And the fact that they're at a conference and they all have like a booth demo, it kind of normalizes a little bit like what they're seeing. That way you're like, oh, I can see exactly what I want. But again, you would kind of go back to say like, there's probably some ways to do that digitally, but you know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that, that browsing thing, so to speak, makes sense. And then also like, uh, there's conferences that like have legitimate community angles, like a lot of the open source uh, conferences, people like get together and it really is just like, let's, let's not just go get drunk. Although that's usually involved, but like, let's, you know, sit around one of these, you know, awkward conference tables and uh, see each other because we work remotely a lot, which 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 is fine. But yeah, I mean, you were kind of alluding to this at the end, Brandon, but it, like it feels like a lot of the stuff that happens at a conference like could happen otherwise. And, and it just sort of like it happens there because they exist like, you know, also the um, the exhibitor floor is like it helps pay for the conference as well, like everyone's fees there. But then if you don't have to pay for the, the venue, then you don't need that. I don't know. Right. It it is it yeah. is just like there's there's so much like extraneous stuff like going on and it's it seems well, like there should be a, a slightly better way. But maybe I and, just and, don't want to like leave the house as much. <laughs> well and, and the, the conference pulls you away from you know, from your day job. And so if you're mm. if you're watching a webinar, you know, you'll have another window open looking at your email and Twitter and whatnot and you know, somebody will come in and, and, you know, interrupt you and you'll stop paying attention and, you know, you'll, you'll miss that, you know, two minute commercial for, for whatever. And it, it's just not as engaging. And, yeah, yeah. you know, well, what about this angle then? Um, kind of going in different ways. Like, you know, the, one of the reasons conference goes is everyone just agrees to be in the same place at the same time exactly. from lots exactly. of different groups. So like you could, and, and so maybe this is like unpacking a little bit is like, you know, really, we actually don't need the trade show floor. Like we all just need to agree to be there, but we don't really need to build these booths and all this other stuff. Right. If we're all just there and we make it easy for us to like connect, then it's like, well, maybe you do have like a, a couple like big, you know, sessions just to kind of get it going. But really you're just sort of like, after that, it's like, Hey, let's just make it easy for people to meet like, you know, really quickly without having to do a trade show floor and like uh, demos and all this other stuff. And the reason that that's good is that like, we all know we're going to be there. So if I want to do four or five meetings in a row with people in my industry, we all just agreed to be there. And it's just a lot more convenient versus all the other stuff that has, because like this, you know, I've said this many times on probably uh, I don't know, maybe other shows or just, you know, to myself, who knows, but you know, like when you're at a conference, you always say like, you know, you have like, 
the blue blazers and the black t-shirts. Like if you have the black t-shirt on, it means like you're working the booth, right? And it's like you're there, you're working the booth, just having the the, the quick two-minute conversation over and over again. But then all of the, you know, your company will have a team of blue blazer people. They're never in the booth. Their goal is to never actually be in the booth. They don't want to be there. They don't want to do booth demos. They're always like, I got a meeting. I got this analyst thing. Uh, and it's and it's it's fine, but it's mostly like they just don't want to have to do the booth duty, right? Which I get. I've done a lot of booth duty. I understand why you want to skip it. So it's like, well, maybe maybe everyone could just skip the booth duty. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, take all the blue blazer people. They can just meet wherever they want. They don't. We don't have to pretend we have some booth to bring everybody else. And then the guys wearing the black t- and and the women wearing the black t-shirts can go do like some online tutorials. They can like you know get together, and have yeah. some technical talks. And it's like, let's just do away with this trade show floor and not pretend that we really need it. But the the trade show floor pays for the conference. I know, but that's what I I'm mean, saying. Like, I think, but like, could we we could go one step further? We could admit, like, we all just need to be there. We don't actually have to pay for the trade show floor to justify being there. <laughs> it's not really valuable. We could go the next level of awareness. Nah, we could say nah. we don't need it, right? We don't need the trade show floor because so, nobody really. Because again, if the trade show floor was valuable, all the executives would be on it all day long. They're mm. never on it. They don't want to be on it at all. They have sent they, you, Matt Ray, they, they, who I've seen doing boot duty. No, no, no. <laughs> I have had, I, you know, and, and then you have you have the the peons, you know, the the CTOs who go and they grab their their VPs or you know what whoever's above them and they bring them to the booth to talk to you and oh, have the conversation. The Isn't that the best when they like, hey, but I that have happens, this person, right? Matt, Matt, I have this yeah. person. I want them to ask you an obscurely impossible question that there's no way you're going to know how to answer. Could you please answer this? That's, That's oh, 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 so many times <laughs> this has happened. And then you're like, that then is- you kind of make something up, and then you're like. You know, that's a really good question. You know, I'm gonna have to. You know what? I'm gonna let me get your email address. Let me, me let me scan your badge, and I'll get back and to I'm you. And scan your badge, and let me take that back to our uh, such and such person who's not here because he's off doing something else that's probably important. I, and we I'm will get saying, an answer to your obscure question yeah. that probably has no relevance to us making money. I am so happy the CTO brought you over. Thanks again for coming by. Uh, email me anytime. I'd love to work with you. <laughs> the webinar is not an alternative. Though. <laughs> I, I I mean you know. But to see I what you're saying, what like, you know, like, I don't know how many times the executive, I, that is just the most classic, but, bringing but I, the person over and you're like, this is a total worthless interaction. Nothing will come of yeah. this. Yeah. That's yeah, I, not so, true. I, I've I, actually had good conversations that have oh, led to business. And yeah. That's, yeah. You know, I, that's, that's, I, I, I think there's two more things to say and we'll, we'll close this out and I'll say the two more things. And, and, and that is... <laughs> Because we don't know what's in your head. Yes, that that is because I'm. I'm wait, wait, what am I doing? I'm I'm trapped sitting in my. Frankly, head. I'm unqualified to speculate. So just go ahead, Craig, <laughs> take the, it to the end. I think I think one. This is this is a plea to my fellow vendor people. Look, look. If you're at a conference where your company has a booth, you should go be at the booth for a little while. I don't care how important you think you are. Just like, just go be there for thirty minutes. Just go do that because I think I think you will be extremely enlightened about this, this is cold face. yeah you'll be extremely lightened about the odor of your shit and like and in fact that no one can smell it is more often than not what uh which is to say they don't know anything about it and they have very basic questions and i think i think if if you're some higher up fancy pants or apparently fancy jacket person like you have you have a very like different view of of your company's uh place in the world than if you're just on the show floor talking to random looky loos who want a pin that lights up and then uh and then and then second i mean i don't know i think there's a lot of inefficiencies not only in conferences but i think the other thing to pay attention to is like if people do work from home 
I think uh, I think it ex- exposes, you know, there's this circular thing of like, we got to have all these meetings to coordinate all these people working together. And then we need the managers to manage it. And like, I mean, I was kind of joking about this earlier, but like, you know, or you could just do the work instead of like, and, and I think now obviously you have to coordinate, but I, I feel like one of the things when I was shifting from like, uh, my two things is elongating instead of being short, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I think, I think the thing to study and then we'll move on is like when I shifted from being like a programmer to an analyst and then into like corporate strategy as far away from programming as you can get, like the thing that kept coming up is like, why don't you just like write an email or like, why don't you just tell me what you want? Or like, why don't you, know, why are we like beating around the bush and talking about this thing when you could just like do it? And like, there's, there's a, in like normal white collar work, there's just a lot of like fucking around. And I think a lot of it has to do with like, you're in person, you're in an office and like, you know, I, I don't know, yeah. like all that, all that but, stuff could be eliminated. And I think it's also why we, we think that a six page memo with a, an appendix would be nice, but I don't know. People don't seem to optimize around that kind of stuff. So well, maybe and, now's and, the and chance. With, yeah. Well, now's the chance. The chance now is all these people who are now getting to work from home, who've never worked from home. And like, you know, it's, it's probably about, it's, it's starting to break out in the <laughs> breakout. Uh, it's starting to spread, <laughs> spread. Uh, it's starting to spread in the U S but like, you know, the last month I've been, you know, the folks in Singapore, the folks in Japan, you know, they've all been told to stay home. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, you get on these calls and there are people like, oh, you know, I don't have a camera at home or, you know, my kids are here now and I don't know how to deal with working from home. And, you know, it's like, you know, they were all going to the office to escape, you know, this stuff. And now, like, they're all forced, you know, to work from home. It's, it's just like working from home isn't for everybody. Um, maybe some of those people needed to be in that you know, that, that office, because, you know, they, they needed that structure and they needed to have the, the manager standing over their shoulder and keeping yeah. tabs on. I guess. Cause so. I'm seeing a so. lot of people who are like, you know, Oh, I didn't get anything done yesterday. I'm like, well, you had like, you know, 10 hours of being at home. How did you not get anything done? You know? Yeah. Well, they got, they got dishes. Here's what you do. Let me give a tip. <laughs> it's like, I, I wanted to wash some dishes. dishes. I wanted to wash some dishes today. So I watched, there was the uh, there was the VMware Tanzu uh, sales leadership annual kickoff last week, and uh, there's videos of it. So I was watching some videos uh, as I was washing dishes. Now you see, can mm. you do that in the office? You can wash the dishes in the office, but that doesn't yeah. get you anywhere. You wash your own dishes. You got a clean <laughs> kitchen and knowledge. So that's wow. that's that's. Hey, we don't we don't have a sponsor this week, so I'm going to indulge in a in an unpaid sponsor for my company. And that is next week on March 10th. There's some, there's some big uh, little session we got going on. I don't know what a big little session is, but it's basically it's a webinar. That's right. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a webinar that's, that's seeking to answer all of your questions about what uh, Tanzu is and what VMware is going on and out of app modernization and why and modern apps, all the kind of stuff. So I don't actually know the content for it, which makes me comfortable giving an ad for it because I'm not going to give away any, uh, any things. But I'm pretty sure it's basically like, you know, here's here's VMware's uh, sort of explanation of how we're now in the building applications and, and programming world and why it matters to you. So if you want to, it's on March 10th, and I think it's at uh, 11 a.m. 
uh, PDT. I think that's Pacific time or California time, as I like to type to people. And if you go to VMware.com slash app modernization with the little hyphen there, app hyphen modernization, or you can click in the show notes and you should go attend that. A webinar, an online conference. It's got and you a- can do dishes. Yeah, you can do right. you can do dishes while you do it. You know, you can even add it to your calendar. Let me see if it downloads. What does it download? An ICS file. Isn't that nice? I love it when awesome. you do a webinar yeah. and it adds a, a file there. So uh, yeah, you just go to vmware.com slash app modernization with a hyphen in there or look in the show notes. So yeah. now let's do let's do some uh, some some Cote does numbers and he needs to run it by people who know numbers. So first wow. of all. I saw that uh, Google now charges ten cents an hour. If I, if that's right, oh. ten cents an hour for uh, running a Kubernetes cluster. Now, yes. so that's that's accurate. Now, I think when I was reading some commentary, Amazon charges fifteen cents an hour, or Google used to charge fifteen cents an hour. Google was charging nothing, and uh-huh. they raised it to ten. Yeah, Amazon was charging twenty cents an hour and Oof. dropped it to ten. Okay, okay, now. Now, but that's al- my understanding. Also, with Amazon, with uh, Google, you get a BOGO, where you like oh, per zone, right. you get one free cluster. Now, I presume that's for a staging or a dev cluster or whatever. So, whatever you could half that to five cents an hour, but I think it's you only get a cluster on the first cluster. So I don't know if that's like a o BOGO, only one BOGO, but but you you only get one you can't double up there's no stacking i think is what the coupon people call that you can't stack this deal so you could make some complicated spreadsheet where your discount for the free one like tapers off after some time so let's just forget about that for now right and i calculated how many hours i didn't calculate i asked google how many hours there are in a year it's just assume 24 7 running which i know is incredibly inaccurate because everyone knows the point of the cloud is to spin up and spin down to elastically scale or something like that. Uh, but it looks like it's like, what, like $879 a year to run a cluster, which sure. I think, and I guess I guess if Amazon reduced half their price, it used, the benchmark price used to be, what is that, $1,600, $1,700, let us say. So yeah. I, I, this seems like a fun price. So it's not, it's not how much it costs to license a Kubernetes, although I guess that's kind of bundled in it, nor is it how much it costs to install it, although it is how much it is to upgrade. But basically to have the managed service of a Kubernetes cluster is you can now get it for $179 a year, probably less because you're not going to be running it 24-7. Although I don't know, don't you have to run, you have to run the control plane 24-7, yeah, right? Unless yeah, you, you shut do. down the whole thing. So basically you do have to pay $179 a year, unless you're going to bring down the control plane. If you bring that con- the control plane, you're going to have to like write out your etcd thing somewhere and pay for that storage. Then you're going to have to bring it back up, which sounds hella risky to be doing that kind of thing, but whatever. Uh, so yeah. So now we know how much, uh, how much, I don't know if you would say worth. Uh, but now you know how much, uh, it costs to basically run a Kubernetes cluster. You should be paying. $879 a year. Now, does that include Whoa. like networking? That doesn't include the worker nodes. This is yeah, strictly the control yeah, plane, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. The control plane of, you know, etcd and it's Istio and, you know, the, the coop controllers and, you know, all that junk. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of folks on Twitter like, yeah, that's, you know, a bunch of nodes and it costs money to run that, but they still, you know the the you know the the Twitter consensus, which 
you know, as, as we learned from Super Tuesday isn't uh, the real world consensus, is that like that is a bad idea charging developers this because now you know people are like, oh, I was you know learning Kubernetes on GKE and now I'll have to go look somewhere else. Ooh, those developers and having to pay for stuff sure feel bad for them. Well, <laughs> yeah, but but you know, as a developer outreach thing, you want yeah, to get yeah. people using your tools and and you know they probably could have you know whatever your bogo stuff is is like there's probably ways to get like oh we'll give you a limited subset yeah well well you could i mean i don't know i mean the costs have to be small but but with my my limited though slightly bigger kubernetes knowledge couldn't you you could basically offer a dirt cheap or a free cluster of unlimited size and just limit it to like one uh ingress ip address so that you could only have one connection going in which would go. presumably yeah. be the developer right well or, or even make it like five right yeah, so yeah you'd be like sure, look i'm sure. sharing this with my boss and you know a couple of other developers right and we're gonna go look at this thing you know and you know so, so i so i kind of put that question out to to you know twitter and uh no no ssh jj told me ibm will give it to you for free hey oh uh, <laughs> but uh look at that he's uh, he's paid for his quarterly salary he already is. yeah he's got the free cluster with one worker node uh-huh. so there you go that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about so but being on the other side like i've seen i guess on the vendor side of these conversations the way it plays out internally is usually there's some you know cost cutting or tightening kind of initiative and somebody runs a report and they're like Oof. we have i don't know tens of thousands of accounts that are essentially doing nothing, but it costs us X million, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, right? So that's really where this usually comes from, where people are like, yeah. we just, we can't pay for it. And they're like, and, they're, and, and a lot of times, like they're coming from, we're trying to do this so we can save somebody's job, right? That's actually a lot of times what's going on. It's like, we, oh, we are trying to get under a budget. So that's why this, uh, either yeah, one thing but, comes out and, and then there's the, the follow on is like, okay, we either got to kick these people off or we have to decide what we're going to do. So I think the mistake here, right. Is this like what you're saying, Matt is like, I think what you have to do when you're running these things is like, you have to be explicit around, this is the free forever offering that we're going to give, you know, the community. And it's obviously generally around, it's, um, something that people can learn from. Right. And like, you have to just build that in as like the cost of like this, I'm running this. I need to have a free tier because it's going to, if you will generate goodwill and more importantly, allow people to learn how to use our stuff. And then you have to commit to it and never touch it. And that, that's the answer for the developers, right? Like, this is what we want you to do. Um, when you do this, when you say, like, suddenly you start charging for it, like, I don't know. There can be nothing but blowback. Like, no one is ever right. happy about this. Right, yeah. right. I mean, did, did they just, like, screw up and they're like, oh, you know, the, the ones we were giving away for free took 30 machines to run. You're like, yeah, you probably could have come up with something smaller, right? I, I, I mean, or, you know, just tell people, like, oh, we have a a free tier we're going to help you move to it mm-hmm. you know but instead it's just like hey hey chumps you know come come june 1st we're, we want money chumps like, wow. wow now now also <laughs> I, I i don't i don't you know i don't know pricing and everything for anthos very well i sort of know anthos stuff but obviously not that well that that is not charged for so if you're doing 
yeah. you're paying them to run your your Anthos cluster. Now I don't know what that means. I don't know if you, if, <laughs> if if you get an Anthos, you're already like fifty thousand dollars in because it's some on premise hybrid multi cloud bursting scale up scale down stuff. So maybe it's good. maybe it's just like if you have an Anthos, then like uh you know you're still paying, and so like this eight hundred seventy nine a cluster year is not a big deal, but it is. Uh, you know, that's that's fun to have a price point. I don't know how much they charge for worker nodes, but it would be fun to, for example, uh, well, one, I, I hope being Google, they had some complicated Monte Carlo simulation of, of loss and profit they would have done. Wouldn't that be great to see a chart with the big bands? It's, and a, like, it's a random number generator that just kills product projects by <laughs> by that's output. right it's called it's called uh it's called chaos business development yes you they're just... like oh 371 time to kill google reader yeah yeah <laughs> uh but uh, uh so you know for example uh you could come up with i know uh uh dr owen is his last name wilson dr owen over at 451 he has the way he does um comparing public cloud pricing is he comes up with like a basket of cloud goods for, and I don't know the exact methodology, but it's almost like if you thought of like three reference applications you would want to implement, and then you come up with the, uh, the, the stuff you would need from each of the public clouds, he can kind of come up with a relative pricing that you would pay for them. Right. Which I think is a clever way of comparing these things. Cause you know, they're always slightly off and somewhat different, not always, but many of the things are. And so similarly, you could, uh, it would be fun to like see how many, like what worker nodes cost. And then you could take like the uh, cloud native computing foundation survey that kind of like does how many clusters organizations are running. And you could get a sense of like how much you could attach money to those, uh, how many clusters organizations are running. And you could get a sense of how much, how much spend there is and the, uh, the survey base of, uh, of, uh, what would you call them? The people surveyed. Of course, that would be incredibly inaccurate. Because it all assumes that they're paying uh, Google or someone to do it in- instead of their own. So I guess you would need you need some uh, another kind of like uh, ranged Monte Carlo thing. That's the only the only advanced charting technique I know is is doing that. So I'm going to Monte Carlo it. simulation. That's right. That's it's all. all. It's always Monte Carlo simulation. Everything's a Monte Carlo. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think coming back to like kind of maybe the the the, the original like what's going on here is like this kind of comes back to like the CNCF a little bit and just like you know all of the Kubernetes and things that we're talking about is like, you know, one, what, what developers really need to know about Kubernetes seems like an ongoing topic. We never figure out. And then two, like, how should they learn it? Right. And I think that, cause that's just the more important question It's like, okay, well, what's an inexpensive way for developers to learn this? And if it's, yeah, you got to, you know, have this many uh, clusters and like, you know, actually telling people like, Hey, yeah, in your organization, be prepared to like budget for this. Cause it's just like buying computers or anything else for developers. You're going to need it. Or like, here's a free or a, a server you can download or a way that you can do it on premise in a way that's, you know, really inexpensive. And then like, you know, if you will, it teaches you most of everything you need to know. And when you're ready to move production, right. You know, you can, you can do that. So, um, so it's always like, you know, I don't, you know, no one's ever thinking through the whole thing, right. Because, yeah. This amount of money, it isn't a lot of money, but like if anyone's worked at a company, it's not that easy to get some of the stuff expensed ongoing, right? So it's just like you just start to move the problem around. It's like, well, I can't get this expense. I'm not going to pay for it. Or maybe I'll run something locally. And it, and again, it's just back to like if you want people to know this, you got to like answer those questions and make it easy for them. You know, I, I feel like maybe I'd have, to, I'd have to do another Monte Carlo simulation, but but I think I think maybe – with the amount of money Google will save by not having a booth during the, the, the ham flu here that like 
they could probably take that money and just pay for some developer clusters. I mean, because oh. they're probably paying like fifty thousand to a hundred thousand for. They canceled. Well, see, they they canceled Google I/O, right? Uh, so that that would have paid for it. There you um, go. I mean, but, probably probably for the price of the uh, the you know organic vegan bread rocket sandwiches with hummus exactly. and and or, and or exactly. they probably have that blue bonnet coffee that you like so much, Brandon. That's right. That's and, right. But, well, I know for a fact though, it's all different budgets, right? The marketing budget, oh, I hate the sure. operations budget, oh, no, no, like, no, and this is where no, it just bring. becomes like a big old nasty thing. It's like so, but I do think back to our conference thing. It's like, hey, I mean, go all the way back to that and so like. Maybe all these trade show floors, I mean, instead of doing that, maybe if we just had a really great free tier that developers could use forever, like how much is that worth, right? Like how much is that going to be versus being at all these conferences and giving away t-shirts and, you know, well, having yeah, the five minute conversation. It's like, well, maybe this, you know, is, think it through. Uh, this is offsetting their, they're giving away the, the latest Google Hangouts incarnation for free. Like, yeah, same thing. You know, right? and, and I think I think Microsoft is doing that with some sort of you know Teams video conferencing thing. Teams. But don't you not- think I when I saw that it's like it just shows you how how much further along Zoom has been in yes. for so long. <laughs> Zoom has given away I think it's free forty five minutes for like yeah, I don't know, yeah. forever that's been in place. And it's like I mean I don't know. It's just funny. Like all of them coming out. It's like, well, listen, everyone, everyone I know that has this issue has already gone to zoom. Like they've all, Absolutely. we've all just been right. using zoom and like, it, and usually it gets to the point that you're like, well, I'm kind of annoyed. My conferences are, are have to be over 45 minutes. So eventually you pay or you're just like, ah, just the meeting ends or you just like call them back. And it's like, so yeah. it's funny. Like only now are these other team, these other groups coming on board. And it's like, I think you've totally missed it. Like they've completely missed the boat already, mm, man, that freemium model. It's always good. You know, mm-hmm. so, so nice. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think we probably said this before, but I bet the video conferencing markets like the APM market, it's just sort of like the same thing gets reinvented over and over again, except with now the same it, people. Yeah. With the same people, except now it's got like the dark UI or something, yeah. but you know, so, so I, I want to highlight just a few things from that, uh, CNCF survey that, uh, that came out now, now, now I read through it. I'm going to pick a few things. I put, I put my little, uh, I'll call them extensive, my notes. You can find in the show notes at software defined talk.com slash two, two, one. But one, I think, I think, uh, there's one chart that shows, uh, since 2016, the placement of, uh, containers, uh, in like development test and, uh, POC and production. And that's a fun chart because what you see is that like forever, in the first three categories, development and test and POC, they've been, especially POC, because that's kind of what you do in POC is you try out everything. But they've been, they've had a lot of container usage there. And then in production, like back in 2006, sorry, March of 2006, uh, there was like 23% of, P- of the surveyed people had uh, containers in production. And then it like, over, over from between March and June, it spikes up to 57%. And then presently, it's at 84%. So it goes up extremely quickly, which is, uh, well, I think that's extreme. Would you say that's extremely quickly? What is that? It's like three it's years. Internet time. Yeah. <laughs> hey, just to go back, I think you said 2006, but I'm pretty sure you meant yeah. 2016. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Everybody, yeah. So 2016. I, you know, 2016. a decade here, a decade there. What are you going to do? It's, <laughs> this is. <laughs> There's no end of service life announcement for Kubernetes yet. So, so we're okay. We're I mean, like, we're I, not there yet. 
I mean, when someone a hundred years from now writes a history of computing, it'll be, it's pretty much the same, right? They're just, anyways, it's whatever's in this era. And then, you know, I was mentioning earlier, it looks like, uh, it looks like about the number of clusters people have. It looks like, uh, basically two to five clusters and, uh, is, is the, is like over 40% of the people. And, and if you add in one cluster, which is, that's a great category. Uh, if you add in, you know, what does that mean? If do you, what do you do with your BOGO? You're just not using it. You just have it lay fallow there. You know, when I see a buy one, get one, like for half price, like sometimes I go to the Albert Hine and you can buy, uh, like, let's say a little thing of strawberries for 199 euros, right? Or you can buy two for like $5 for, for like $4. Sure. And you can buy, you can buy two for like, let's say $3, three, three euros, yeah. right? And I always think like, I don't want to. So I'm going to buy one and that's less than three euros. And I feel like it took me a long time to come to that realization in my head that just because I can get like, you know, two for a reduced price, I should just buy the one because I don't need to. So anyhow, if you, if you add in, I'm, I'm trying Matt Ray finally, but (laughs) if you add in the people who one run one cluster, two to five and six to 10, you have a huge majority of people who are running 10 or less uh, clusters in production. Now, now what I don't know about that, uh, I forget if they say that is how many, how many actual, uh, would you say pods, how many pods they have in each cluster, but it is uh, a small amount of clusters in production that they have. And I don't know, there's some other fun stuff in there. The only, the only one thing, which is maybe related to the, the second topic I wanted to go over is uh, it looks like Nginx, is that how you say it? Nginx yep. is used for uh, for like the ingress for controlling inbound traffic, basically by sixty two percent of the surveyed people, followed by HA Proxy at twenty two percent. Now, is there is there a commercial company between behind HA Proxy? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think th- that's from Facebook, right? Did I get that right? Uh, I don't know if it's Facebook. It's been around for a long time. Yeah, maybe um, they just use it. But anyways, yeah. So, so it looks like F5 for the price of $670 million has like a very firm, solid control point on Kubernetes. And it's not even for $600 million because they still have the entire rest of the Nginx business. But yeah. F, F5 of all people seem to be solidly set there. When they have their board meetings, they're probably cool when it comes to the Kubernetes thing, which, which is uh, exciting for them. Also, apparently 40% of respondents get their info from Twitter. So if you want to, if you want to do your Kubernetes, uh, advertising, get on, get on, get on the Twitter, which, uh, well, so, so there, uh, there is an haproxy.com that has haproxy enterprise. HAProxy so there enterprise. you go. Hmm. Wonder mm. if, it's actually further things. actually because F5 is third, right? And they, I guess that's their legacy product, right? And then Nginx is there. Oh, I didn't even see that. So if you add them up, they're like really Ooh. in the dominant position. If you say, uh, I don't know if they're third. I guess I have to look here, but they're they're you know firmly in that 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 category. So interesting. man, man, can you imagine the the hoops the marketing people at F five have to jump through to write a, an executive level CIO digital transformation agenda for twenty twenty, and and they just like they got to start at the top and they got to be like you're gonna have to load balance, baby. That's like, oh yeah. That's well, it, yeah. When when you see companies like F five <laughs> and they're like we're here to lead your digital transformation, like. Really? <laughs> Through what? load balance? They're, they're going to their, uh, their white paper. There's, everybody, that's good. You know what they're going to – here's 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 their their tagline. We route your digital transformation. 
Oh, yeah, wow. You like that? Yeah. You should work at marketing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Now, now the, uh, did, did y'all no, find any? You're not writing white papers for that, right? Oof. Well, I don't know what with the flu around, but did, did you see anything? Uh, did y'all see anything interesting in the, uh, the survey? Just the perpetual, like, I always like the networking, like, you know, Istio versus, uh, that's always, um, interesting, like, to see the service mesh just because it's always talked about. So I think that was, um, I think it wasn't so I think it was all the people in it. So it was what console, Istio, and then Netflix, OSS, Zool, mm-hmm. Linkerd, and then a bunch of other ones I didn't really know. I don't know. Like do you know Super Glue or Vamp? Matt, do you know these? All these other ones? Yeah. Um I mean we we're poking around at glue ourselves, but uh as as a replacement for Nginx, I think. Yeah. Um but it's down in the weeds. Like I, I, I liked, uh, I like the. What are your challenges in using deploying containers? And uh, the first four are not are all about like culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you kind of see this in the service mesh grab where it's like, uh, if you add up all like the bright red bars, it's basically everyone's just evaluating. I mean, there are there's some people in production, but it seems very like I always wonder like other than Netflix. Like how many people from Netflix took the survey and answered yes, they're using it in production? Like if you took them out, like how many other people are using Zool in production? So it seems that seems like firmly a technology people are still trying to figure out. Yeah. And yeah. then of course you know, Oblivia, the uh, um the obligatory uh serverless uh um information in there. That's also seems like very early. Like and not that the data's wrong, but it just feels like that's very uh, much to come on, like who's really doing something interesting and serverless. No. And 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 in my head, I the uh, the not using Kubernetes auto scaling, you know, leading the way with the uh, I do not want to auto scale. I'm just hearing it as you know, I do not want to auto scale any works at any time. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, we we don't want to move this cluster. You know, we don't want it to be cloud native. We just happen to be on Kubernetes with our pets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If I remember the, uh, the auto scaling thing is basically like if, if, uh, if you've got like stateless apps, like around 70% of people have auto scaling for that. And then, and then it drops well, off after that. Like and, the, and the, it more, can be, the more state yeah, you have, can the, be one, it, you know, auto scaling doesn't have to mean like, you know, exploding into the, you know, hundreds of nodes. It can just be like, we have one. And if it dies, it comes right back. Hmm. You know? Yeah. But you know, so so listeners, you should check out the survey. You don't even have to uh, invite your friend Johnny Legion to the party. I was, I was, it was a, it was a miracle of my evening reading. You just, it just says the survey, and there's a link, and you click on it, and pow, there's a PDF right there. Uh, hopefully, it's not because I had some cookie set of previously logging in, but like, <laughs> it, uh, it's nice and straightforward. You just, you They're just like, read hello again, the okay. PDF. Do you, do you yeah. think, do you think last, last item on this topic, do you think when they're putting together this PDF, they still have a discussion with some sort of open source nerds about how PDF is evil and they need to publish like an OGDF oh, or something like that? That, <laughs> that ship has sailed. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Now, finally, I just want to do a quick, a quick check. Now we talked about wasn't there a what I was I didn't go back and look at this but we we talked about CompuWare being up for sale right and and then because I think I've already like gone through this like how much money did uh, is it Tom O'Bravo who whoever the PE firm like how much money they seem to have made off of this deal because we talked about that a little bit or am I am I going crazy I think we did okay uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Well, it rings a bell well now now that's, that we have a great memory of our own shows <laughs> which is good but. uh but so now BMC, our old friends, they've acquired CompuWare. Now, now, for those of you 
under the age of 35 to 40. Let me tell you who these two companies are. BMC, <laughs> <laughs> BMC uh, primarily, they get a lot of their revenue from two main things, from mainframe management and also from uh, Remedy, as I recall. They probably do a fair amount on like... Real estate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They probably do a fair amount on like automation and uh, some right. It's things. a blade logic in there back in the day. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was all back in there. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was as I always, you know, if if you read the hard things about hard things, they were the competitor of uh, of of the of a sixteen Z's money. Yeah. Opsware, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Any, anyways, uh, <laughs> which is the greatest. I, I know I raise this every time, but it's just uh, what what a what a book towards the end where it's just like we IPO'd because we were running out of money. That's just like what what a time to be alive. Uh, <laughs> 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 anyways, uh, and then Compuware is pretty much solidly uh, uh, well. They were mostly a mainframe company because they used to have Dynatrace. Uh, but then that was spun out. And this is where things for me get interesting is so, so they had Dynatrace, uh, and, and then they had, or is it Dynatrace? I never know how to say it. And then, uh, and then they had their legacy mainframe thing. So then they go, they get purchased for like $2 billion by, I think, Tom O'Bravo. And then Tom O'Bravo like IPOs Dynatrace and Dynatrace has like currently a valuation of $9.2 billion. Which, which I remember I went on this rant. I was like, how do you buy something for two, two billion dollars and then like dig around in the couch and find like seven billion dollars that was just laying there? Right. Like that's, that's fucking untapped potential. That's, 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 (laughs) that's really what they call unlocking value. Uh, but anyways, so I was trying, so, so the, the, in the, the coverage I found, they didn't say how much BMC pay, paid for CompuWare, but one one thing in Barron said that they paid a high single multiple of, I think it was a bitta instead of EBIT or whatever the fuck. And then also in that article, they said that the revenue of CompuWare was like uh, $250 million or something last year. So what is that? That's that's about two billion dollars. So it looks like that you know maybe BMC bought them for two billion dollars. So long, I have this math in the show notes. But it like it looks like through IPOing Dynatrace and then selling off about like uh you know selling off lots of that Dynatrace cash to get about twelve billion dollars and then they got about almost five billion dollars left over in equity and then they got a little dividend as well uh, at some point but basically they've made like sixteen point nine billion dollars in profit off of that initial $2 billion buy plus all the money they had to, they had to dump into like managing it. But it really is like bonkers like that. That is like, (laughs) it's just, I I feel like what was going on in Detroit that they couldn't like do this themselves. And it it, it is, uh, I mean, and we had this discussion before. It's just like, whatever, but like, man, that's crazy. So, uh, we, so to ha- summarize, who would have thought people in private equity make extraordinary sums of money? Yeah. It's, Ouch. We got we got to get into it. Do you think do you think if if we start talking more about PE things we'll get picked up by the PE people and we can be like a like a hey. Benedict Evans hey, of I, PE I, stuff? Listen. I I'm in on that. It looks like you have some uh, solid math here. This is uh this is going to hopefully some aggregator will pick this up and attribute it to you. You'll be like this is full on I mean that number that's 16 billion and like it seems very defensible and it, like it's a nice headline, right? Private equity firm makes takes two billion, makes sixteen billion. Like it. Yeah. They should sponsor mm-hmm. our show. We'll talk about them even more. 
right. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I, I read, I read, I read a uh, an older article linked to from your your new favorite, Matt Levine, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> yes, pro- profiling like Elliott Management and Associates, and uh-huh. it. I don't, I don't know if I want to be involved with the private <laughs> world. It they, seems, uh, it seems kind of a rough, a rough game. Yeah. But I do think you know. Back to this one, it, it is. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, I think it's the official. Uh, you know, if you will, the end, if you will, of things that you can buy to officially become the the BMC. And I know um, CA, I know CA is owned by uh, Broadcom now, but it's really the BMC CA duopoly is complete. Like, I don't think there's anything left of this size to be bought. And then, as I understand it, BMC and CA, they'll you know they will never be allowed to merge. You know, and because they're just at least not for a while because they're. Uh, you know, the only players left in a lot of this mainframe software other than IBM. So it's sort of like, it, it kind of comes to an end, right? It's like, well, this is it. You, you're the, the only two left standing and they'll probably just stay around in perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, BMC. Hanging in there. Good job. Good job. That, that, that was fun. No, no more cowhide in the elevator. That's always a good story. <laughs> <sighs> All right. All right. Hey, can one of you summarize really quickly? I didn't read this article. Why, why is Agile software dead? uh it basically they they just kind of complained that um you know it it got watered down with too many conferences and too much uh too much too many people having their own spin on it and you know it's a standard you know why i hate uh why why we're hating on agile again today you know i see it i did I put that in there? I think I, I started to put it in there. And I was like, nah, I don't like this article. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think Brandon put it in. It's it's your it's your it's your uh it's it's our weekly white guys complaining about white guys. That is, uh, yes, that's why I didn't put it in. I was like, this is just rehashing. There's nothing new here. It is. It is. I like that. You know, and oftentimes the people who write the articles don't write the headlines. So. I'm speaking to the headline authors. I think the headline authors innovated. They finally innovated on the is dead headline, right? So yes. you got agile software development is dead. Now that, now if you were just, if you were just, uh, you know, phoning it in, just doing your job remotely, opt washing some dishes while you're writing headlines, that's where you'd leave it. But someone clever was like, I'm going to turn this up a notch. And at the end they wrote, deal with it. And I think that Ooh. that's good. They just, they, now, now- the the other one that I've seen a few times uh, that I like is is comparing things to Fight Club. Mm, yeah. <laughs> First rule of Agile is uh, don't talk about Agile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, two things. One, I just checked the official uh, Slack channel. I Matt Ray put this in the show notes. Oh, so uh, so I, do I not. It? I meant to delete it. I do not want to be. Uh, <laughs> I did not put this. <laughs> I did not so take. The, I did not cultivate that link. So Only that's why. And then, uh, and then too, it's like, I just, uh, an early recommendation. Uh, there's this uh, podcast called the press box. They talk about, you know, the press and like politics and things like that. But nonetheless, they have a, the reason it's relevant to this, they have a segment called the strain pun headline of the week. And it's fantastic. Just, just hearing like, cause they're, they're very, uh, newspaper centric writers. And so they, they really have a fun, uh, uh, picking on uh, the the various puns that are used for headlines, and I I have to say I find it incredibly amusing. That one segment, I love that. I just I like I like it. That is so, good. That is so good. Check that out. Well, normally we would recommend conferences that you can go to. So we're a little <laughs> speculative here. So so hey, Co- hey, hey. 
KubeCon EU. I assume you can still use our discount code. Get your pens, yeah. your pens and pencils out. KCE USDP fifteen. Oh no, that's now in the summer. It's been postponed. I know. I'm saying. I'm saying it's it's in like September or something, right? Yeah. yeah. So so that's going to be in September. Still in Amsterdam, I hope, so I can go. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I could be one of the few people in Amsterdam who could support the conference for VMware, which would be great. It'd be like a big ghost hall and I'd be at the, the trade floor there. Boy, think of all the swag I could take home. That would be fun. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, over the, over the course of my pivotal career, I've, I've had several boxes of swag just living with me in my house uh, and it's uh it's fun stuff, but there is DevOps days. We'll see what happens in May f- 4th and 5th. DevOps days. Austin is there and I am, you know, unless something happens, I'm going to be there for DevOps days. I think we're planning a, a live recording, as we said. We don't have a discount code. And that is, as of today, still on, still on for May. Oh, no, yeah. No changes on that one. I, I would like to tell the listeners that, let me look this up. Uh, just for you, I think I am going to be having a 6 p.m. call on Friday to arrange a panel speaking at, uh, you know, a live recording at DevOps days, Austin. I don't know why I agreed to that, 6 p.m. on Friday, but... <laughs> You know, because what are we going to, we're going to be like, so, uh, so are you going to, you going to need some microphones? Uh, who, uh, who are you going to have on there? And we'd be like, this could have been a three line email. Thank you for having us. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're not used to working remote. Maybe I should add that part out. It's complaining <laughs> about people. Uh, and then there's, you know, we got hey, hold on before yeah. you edit it out. Just want to take thanks for everyone in Austin DevOps days for, uh, welcoming us and, and having us on as, uh, you know, yes, a yes. live recording. We really appreciate that. So go ahead. Yes. Keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, you know, this is my character complaining person. Yes. I, I actually, you know, I wasn't going to go. And then I was talking with, uh, with JJ and Tasty Meets Paul. And I think it's them who convinced me that it's my responsibility. So, so that'll be fine. Tasty Meets Paul's been in Japan, right? I think I've yeah. seen so many pictures about food. He, he is, he is not taking this, uh, he's not worried about this virus. Let me no, say. He's, no, he's been all over. Yeah. So I think, I think he's got a, a steady diet of questionable meat. And so his immune system is <laughs> rock solid. <laughs> I don't know if it's his Facebook or his Instagram, but it's a lot of good pictures of food. So find him if you're interested in yeah. just looking at food. Yeah. And then there's and some... I assume, and I would assume, Mostly his wife eating it, or someone, some other woman. Yeah, uh, so, so yeah, it, okay. it, it looks like they oh, were on. You're gonna get him in trouble. It looks like well, they were they were listen, on some TV show. Uh, by, yeah, by they were on a TV show, and you know, she she. I, listen, I'm not getting him in trouble. It's all over the internet. It's all over Japanese TV. So hopefully he's figured that out. Yeah, and then also there's some other conferences like ChefConf coming up and uh, DevOps Days Minneapolis, <laughs> which we got a code Chef for. Conf has not canceled yet. Well, it's in but, June. Uh, Everything, you know, just like Fearless yeah. Leader said, it gets hot, burns out the flu. We'll be cool. So by the time yeah. summer rolls around, it. Uh, I was listening to some show and they were saying like, well, one, that sort of doesn't happen. Two, what happens is uh, in the northern hemisphere, uh, summer comes and it gets a little warm and that helps out. So it just moves down to the southern hemisphere. And then and then when, when winter comes from the southern hemisphere, it goes back up to the northern hemisphere. Yeah, except for the fact that, you know, it's... It's all over Singapore, which is right oh, on the. Oh boy, boy, that's some Sorry. science right there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Singapore, so hot. People sometimes ask me like if I would move to Singapore, and I always think like if I wanted to live somewhere hot, I would live in Austin. Like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just boy, so hot there. Love that crab though. Uh, do we have any uh, uh, feedback or administrative stuff to go over, Brandon? Uh, yeah, just some quick things here. We've got uh, sent some stickers to uh, C. Weber in California. 
since Sickers, you know, Kote, uh, you can help me. Is it Jacob or Jakob if you're in Iceland? So I first actually time, I think have I, no idea how that right, Icelandic well, We're going to go with the American uh, English pronunciation. Jacob could be Jakob. I don't know. So happy to send something to Iceland. I think it's the first time uh, we've done that. And then congratulations to Jordy, uh, who's been a long time fan of the show. He got our free copy of Code Your Way Up. Rise to the Challenge of Software Leadership. So he will be reading that book. Hopefully he'll offer up a uh, good recommendation in uh, the Slack channel if it was good or not. So, And of course, if you want some stickers, just email me your postal address at stickers at softwaredefined.talk.com and I will be happy to send him uh, you stickers anywhere in the world. So check it out. This makes me think that that I, I got a new book idea and that is, we'll call it something like, you know, uh, Slide Away. How to slack off at work more, I think, I think is what would be a good compendium to that Rise Up book. But uh, as mentioned, we have show notes. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 221, you can see how to join our Slack channel as mentioned. Uh, you can get all the information that, that we mentioned and more, all sorts of numbers and stuff, and uh, links to uh, free books that I have and ones you can buy, things like that. And with that, Matt Ray, what yes. is your recommendation for this week? Uh, so, you know, uh, in the show notes, I'll link to the selfcontrolapp.com just in case you need that, uh, in case you're not using that, you know, to block out, uh, the noise of the internet. But, uh, my pick this week is, uh, the humble bundle. I think it's still running. I better check that URL. Um, they, uh, they're having a cybersecurity 2020, um, bundle and when's it expire? Got three days left as of this recording. Um, a whole bunch of like security hacking, cybersecurity books. Um, a couple of them I've read uh, are pretty good. Um, so it's you know it's a humble bundle. You the more you pay, the more you get, but it starts really cheap. Uh, you know the Secrets and Lies Bruce Schneier book is in there. Um, the uh, Applied Cryptography, a classic. Um, lots of good stuff. Uh, you know you might not read them all, but that's a lot of books for very little. Now is the social engineering one. Is that going to teach me how to social engineer? Yes. Cause I feel like maybe, maybe if I knew how to social engineer, that would bring me right up to the levels of how to social in real life. Right. Like <laughs> if I just, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like a one, two punch with how to, how to win, uh, how to make friends and, <laughs> and influence people and social engineering. Right. If I just like drop the conniving, like thieving part out of it and just like, oh, use sure. the, cause you have to be social to social engineer. Right. So it must go over instructions of like how to how to be social. You know, I, I was talking with uh, I think I think it was it was a therapist once. And, and I finally realized that like a lot of my problem with things like conversation, you know, just small talk and stuff is like I, I never got a manual like I need a manual. That's like nobody has a manual. Well, I, I you know, I think I've even recommended I've subsequently found at least two books on small talk. One of them was was very disappointing. And the second one was very instructional. But like. You know, I just need a manual for like small talk. Like, what do you say here and what do you say there? Like, and, uh, you know, that, that would be handy. So maybe that's in there. I should, I should get that. And then, of course, yeah. Well, how about yourself, Brandon? What do you, uh, have to recommend? Yes. I just finished, uh, on Audible, I listened to, uh, Dark Towers, which was a, a book kind of documenting the history of, uh, as I learned this, I don't know if I'm going to hopefully say it right. I think it's a uh, Deutsche Bank is how you say Deutsche. So one, I learned how to say Deutsche. And, uh, it's just, insane what has gone on at uh, Deutsche Bank over the last like, 100 years. And uh, so every once in a while, maybe you think your your own industry or your own job is, like, has politics or maybe it's a little 
things are happening weird. And then you read a book like this and you're like, whoa, this is just crazy, crazy stuff going on over an incredibly long period of time. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you know, kind of a behind the scenes look at the rise and fall, I don't know, I guess not fall, kind of fall of Deutsche Bank, you know, definitely check it out. You'll just, I don't know, just a lot of absurdity in there and everything from like suicides to, to a lot of politics to, uh, you know, national politics getting involved. Like Trump shows up, the Trump family and just like all kinds of stuff. So lots of stuff I didn't know was really interesting, kind of dark, if you will. Uh, um, but kind of an interesting look into banking. So check it out if that's your kind of thing. Mm, that's, that's, you know, it's, I think it's been a while since we've had a, uh, or at least I've heard of a book of the, you know, global squid octopus, like, uh, conspiracy theories of, uh, of capitalism. So that's fun. We've just been obsessed with like the crazy nutso bags who are doing things <laughs> instead of the, uh, very cool calculating ones. I'll have to, uh, check that out. Well, my, I, I have a, I have a, uh, I don't know if you call it a partial recommendation, but I, I, I heard, I remembered that I heard, uh, you know, Matt Iglesias talking about reading a bunch of Jack Reacher books. And I was like, well, I mean, okay. If he says it's cool, I might check into it. So one, this reminds me of a sub recommendation. You can actually look up his Goodreads profile and see stuff that he reads, which is kind of fun. But so I got, uh, you know, I'm always looking for an easy reading book, like an easy listening book. And so I got the first Jack Reacher book called The Killing Floor. And boy, the first 30% of it is awesome. Like it's really like, you know, gripping and fast paced. And then, and then, uh, I'm about halfway through and it's like 520 books, pages, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of books too, but like, you know, you get about, you get to about 40% and it just, it's starting to become like a, like a trudge, you know, like a murder mystery. Like, uh, now we got to run through all the traps of like, we got all these characters and, all the checkoff guns laying around and we got to figure out who did this. And I'm just waiting for the double turns and the triple turns. And, but boy, the first, the first quarter, the first, uh, 30, so which I'm on. So funny enough, I off the same, we didn't even talk about it. I took, I took uh, Matt Glaze's advice as well. And you're reading what it's, uh, what is it? It's killing floor. Is that the uh-huh. first one? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I've, I've been trying, like I'm stuck. I guess I'm like in chapter 11, and I guess it says on my audible here, it says I have 11 hours left to go, but I'm just like, I've just gotten bored. Like, it just feels this is what like, I'm saying. Just like, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. So like, I don't know. I was like, well, I, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Like, what is Matt Iglesias? So I don't know. It sounds like, let me know if you finish it because I'm just sort of like, uh, in yeah. fact, I even yeah. gave up on it. I went to that and read the, or listened to the dark towers book. Cause I just got bored of Jack Reacher. So I don't know. I don't know. Let me know I, if you finished it. Yeah. because He's usually good on recommendations. I this mean, one it, just seems boring. The, again, the first the first part of it is like exactly what I was looking for, and then it just becomes homework after that. And right. uh, I yeah, don't know. I'm needs, the same. Needs to be shorter. We'll see. Maybe maybe things get honed. I mean, there is like 500 books in the series, so <laughs> it must must be something. Well, uh, as always, this has been software defined talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, including links to that uh, March 10th. Tanzu Tantastic uh, webinar explaining uh, app modernization and stuff at my place of work. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 221. There's also links to all sorts of things we didn't uh, get around to covering. And, uh, you know, you can find out how to follow us more, stuff like that. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye.